At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to a special edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us today on the rarest of rare, the second straight off day for the Hornets. There were only two two-day breaks the entire second half of the schedule, and we've come to the final one. A chance for the Hornets to recharge ahead of the home stretch during the month of May and an opportunity for us to get to know one of the team members a little bit better. So with no game to preview or break down, we're going to sit down with Hornets defensive coordinator and longtime NBA assistant Chad Iskey to talk about the team, his journey in the NBA, and the early impressions and prospects for the future of rookie sensation LaMelo Ball through the eyes of one of his coaches. Without further ado, we welcome in Hornets assistant coach Chad Iskey to the Hornets Hivecast. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time with us today. For sure. Thanks for having me on, Sam. It's been a very exciting season for the Hornets from low expectations from the national media at the start of the season to a roughly 500 record and now closing in on a postseason bid. How has this season gone in your mind? Uh, You know, obviously it's been we're all rookies this year a little bit, you know, um, with all the testing and the, the different dynamics we've had to deal with and all this and the wearing masks. So it's a, it's a learning curve for all of us, but you know, like any season it's up and down and you try not to get too high and too low, but I think um, we've got a great spirit as a team and, and we're all excited about what we've done this year and hopefully where we can go in the future. Having such a young team, has that made it a little easier in some respects to deal with all the new protocols? Because in talking as a new broadcaster in the league, in talking to a lot of the more veteran broadcasters, they'll ask me, like, how are you adjusting to all this? How do you handle all this? And I don't know any better, so everything's normal to me. With such a young team, is there any of that that factors into being able to handle the amount of testing and the limited time in the facilities? Yeah, I mean, I think it, there's probably a little bit of both. 
You know, I think at times some of them, they don't know what they don't know, and they don't know the ways it was in the past maybe, especially the rookies, that it's their first year. So you can get some benefits there. But I think then, too, a lot of them are young and they're figuring out how to be the best pros they can be. And a lot of times with the no turnaround time and, and just limited sleep and everything, you know, it's hard. It's an, it's an adjustment for them to go from college seasons where you're playing once to twice a week to now four times in a week, sometimes five and eight days. The little time to recover, the little time to figure out what you did wrong, the little time to prepare, it's, it's, it's a challenge that's new to a lot of them. There's that aspect for the players who are on the floor a lot. Then there's the guys who are not. One of them is one of your primary assignments, if you will, rookie Nick Richards, the second-round pick out of Kentucky. And in talking to NBA players over my career as a, a journalist, a broadcaster, one of the toughest things I've heard a lot of them say, rookies or veterans, is finding ways to stay in shape, stay involved, be ready when you're not getting playing time consistently Usually they talk about getting their run in practice, but practice barely exists anymore. So how are you helping Nick Richards stay ready for his opportunities when there's very limited opportunities to begin with? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a challenge. And, and very lucky that, that Nick's a very driven young man that's hard to pull out of the gym, you know, and, and out of the weight room. And so he helps himself quite a bit in that after every game he's in that weight room and he's getting the workout in and he's on the treadmill and he's running. And we're also lucky to have a, a young staff that's still able to be on the court quite a bit in a young video room that, that we're able, even on days when most of our guys that have played heavy minutes aren't able to do stuff, we're able to get four-on-four four or five-on-five games for our low-minutes guys and guys that haven't gotten in. We do that before games sometimes or on days off. Uh, those guys come in and get some full-court run. So that helps us quite a bit. And, and and Nick has been great through it all. You know, it's a challenge for these guys to come in and know it's not likely that they're going to play each night, but to still be mentally and physically ready to do so, you know, is tough. There is clearly something there there with Nick Richards and Vernon Carey, for that matter, the two young bigs. Vernon, we saw it briefly against Brooklyn. He got his shot. He made the most of it. But as things have worn on, you know, guys are going to get healthier and and possibly lean more on more veteran presences. But with both Richards and Carey, we've seen it in flashes here with the Hornets. We certainly saw it in the G League bubble with Greensboro. What do you feel their potential is looking to the future? Uh, you know, I think it's it's bright in, in this evolving league. You know, it's it's different a little bit for both of them. They have different skill sets. Vernon is probably a little bit more ball handling and perimeter skilled for a big guy, which, you know, you see a lot of bigs in this league that they, they put out on the floor and let them be a playmaker and a passer a little bit more. And then Nick's probably more of, of what you see of the rim protector, the, the vertical threat, the lob threat, you know, the guy that you're using to, to protect your rim as much as possible. So there's a window for both of them to succeed in this league, and those are probably the two prototypes of the bigs that are successful in this league right now. You know, very multi-skilled with perimeter stuff and guys that can protect the rim and be a threat at the rim with lobs and above the rim. You've been tabbed the defensive coordinator, if you will, or one of the defensive-focused coaches. Throughout all of these injuries, a main focus for the team has been placed upon defense, and it's helped you guys survive missing at times 40, 50, 60% of your offense in terms of how many points per game are sitting on the bench in sweats. 
What are some of the focal points for this team defensively that has allowed you to overcome significant absences from Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, Malik Monk that were obviously unexpected but happened due to injury? Yeah, I think I mean, first and foremost is just trying to get these guys to be fresh enough and to be focused enough to just play with a ton of energy and, and the main thing trying to be the harder playing team each night. And again, with a young team, at times you have great energy, but then there's that adjustment of so many games and how you keep yourself fresh and ready to go out there to compete at that high of a level for a 48-minute game, which is amazingly longer than the 40-minute game you know, that they're used to until they get here. So a lot of it is just keeping them mentally and physically ready and focused to keep competing and to not let up. You know, and then in this league, the players in this league are so offensively talented. You run across so many guys that are so tough to guard that that we know we've had to mess it, change it up a little bit. You know, we we switch a lot more than a lot of teams do. Try to disrupt actions, and we've probably played more zone than than most of the teams in the league at this point. Just to to try to make our opponents do something that they don't practice and don't go against every day, and use that to just try to disrupt, and then then let our energy take over. As you mentioned, there's so many offensively gifted players in the league, and I think there's a a misnomer out there that there aren't defensive players anymore in the NBA. Everyone's just playing offense, and it's just do you make or miss the shots. But you've got guys that are really focused on the defensive side and make that maybe more so of a priority than even the offensive side. What makes a good defensive player in today's NBA? Uh, I think a lot of it is the mental focus, you know, which you alluded to already, and then Along with that focus, there's got to be some physical abilities, but that desire and that effort, you know, to compete nonstop. You got to be somebody that's going to compete consistently, you know, which is a trademark, especially for the Martin twins. You know, they're going to bring in, you know, no matter what, whether they're playing in the driveway or they're playing in the NBA championship, they're going to give you that same kind of effort. I think that's a huge key to being a, a successful defensive player and to have a successful defensive team. You need guys that are wired like that. And then I think there's just a focus and an understanding of what your opponents are good at and trying to do your best to make them play to weaknesses instead of strengths. And so, you know, for a young team, a lot of that is learning who you're playing against. You know, you might watch these guys on TV as you're growing up, but a lot of them maybe you don't really pay attention to what they're so great at other than the highlights you see. And so a lot of it is really learning and studying what these guys do and then how they do it to be successful. For fans and for people covering the team, oftentimes it's it's a results-based kind of perception. Team wins, they must have done well. Team loses, they must not. There was a recent two-game stretch where you won both games, Cleveland and Boston, where, on, at least on the offensive side, first game you shot terribly. Second game you shot near perfectly. Both ended up being wins, but the Boston one felt so much better, at least the way the reaction was from fans. But when I'm watching the game... It seemed like the team really played well in both games. It's just one you happened to shoot well and the other you didn't. When you're looking back at the team defensively, do you focus more on how they're playing rather than the result? Because as you mentioned, so many talented offensive players, some guys are just going to make really difficult shots, but the point is to make them take them in the first place. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, at times you got to catch yourself. It's always easier said than done. It's very easy to look at that scoreboard sometimes and think, oh, guys are screwing up because you're down and, and vice versa. But yeah, I think it's something we've tried to focus on all the time of what kind of shots do we want to give up? What do we want to take away and what do we want to allow? And and I think other than looking at that scoreboard, you know, as we look at stuff and, you know, at times we chart during the game how many layups, 
you know, a team is shot or made through it all. Instead of just looking at that scoreboard, you're, you know, you're looking at are these the shots we're wanting to give up going into the game? Was this our game plan? Was it not? And and I think you gotta you gotta be kind of the steadier of that ship and and help the players know, hey, this is going to turn our way. You know, they're taking the shots we want, they're making them. And there are nights where, you know what, you run across a hot team and everybody's making it, it might not turn out. But over a 72- or 82-game season, if you're doing the things you want to do as a group and you're locked in together, it's going to turn your way more than it's not. Well, later in the show, we're going to talk to you about LaMelo Ball, your early impressions and future projection for the Hornets Rookie of the Year candidate. Uh, But coming up next, we'll get to know Hornets assistant Chad Iskey a little better, particularly his journey through the pro ranks and the pandemic. That's next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Cody Zeller knows how to finish an assist. Now you can be a part of one of his biggest plays of the season. Socks are the most under-donated item for those in need, and the Cody Zeller Sock Drive presented by Hanes is ready to attack that problem. You can help make socks a priority by donating one pack of new socks or $5 to the Cody Zeller Sock Drive, and all donations will be matched by Hanes and will benefit Roof Above. Head to Hornets.com and search Cody Zeller Sock Drive for more information. We're going to talk more about this current team in a moment and about your work with LaMelo Ball as well. But right now I want to talk a little bit about you and your journey through the game and and this last year because it's been a challenging one for a lot of people. For you personally, I, I try and look for the silver linings in everything, and I know one of the silver linings of the last year was more family time with your wife and your two daughters. What's it been like getting that such a rarity when you're working in a business like the NBA where it's 24-7, 365 seemingly? I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's something I haven't experienced, at least not as as somebody with a with a wife and with kids. You know, I, I got into the NBA when I was 23 and and had lots of you know single years in the NBA working where I could be at work night and day and not have to worry about what I was missing. You know, and ever since I got married and and had kids, I've been employed the whole time. Luckily, and you never get that time at home. You know, and even in your normal summers, it's yeah, okay, now you're on more of a normal schedule. You're still going to the office a lot of the days during the week and for a few hours, and you get more time at home. But, you know, on the positive side of having that six to eight months of where you're home every day, and, you know, I get to get on Zooms with the kids as they do their school stuff, and and you get to ride bikes with them every day and go with them wherever they go and do whatever they do. That's something I've never had the privilege or been lucky enough to have, and and to still be employed while doing it is something that's pretty rare over the last three years you've had some stability here being in charlotte but prior to that you know there was a six-year stretch where i think you moved four times and all the while you're starting your family your kids are being born you're you're newly married into having children what is the key to traversing that knowing you you've had several moves now and that there's a lot of quick changes for everyone else in your life as well no i mean it's plain and simple you have to have an incredible partner right and and my wife, Lauren, is, you know, easily the better half, and she's been an incredible partner through it all. Like, you can't you can't exist in the coach's world with moves. And, and like I said, I went from Denver to Philly, Philly to Sacramento, Sacramento to D.C., either moving every year or every other year, and then, then finishing up here in Charlotte, which was a nice short one compared to the others. But you can't handle all that, even just a, a couple, without having a great partner that, that is willing to go on this journey with you and has to take on so much of the brunt of the work yourself because you move 
and you hit the ground running with a new team where you got to be at work and you know to get a house up and running and to take care of kids and the family like it just you, you have to have a great partner and I'm very lucky to say that I do something we have in common and my wife is also named Lauren so even more in common <laughs> Great. I've heard that you, over the course of the pandemic, have become a Disney Plus expert. I think a lot of us have. What is the movie you know by heart now? Man, well, I think the Frozen and Frozen 2, for sure. Having two little girls, that, uh, you know, both, that that was on repeat over and over and over. I think I already had Moana down, but definitely as Frozen 2 came out, and so all of those. But, you know, there's... It's not just them. There's plenty of time to hit some, some Marvel and some Star Wars for my little from back in my day on there, too. You can find anything you want on that Disney Plus, I swear. You certainly can. We're, we're all going into the unknown now with uh, the kids' yeah. ability to handle to handle Disney Plus. In terms of your, your career and your start, you went to Kansas when Roy Williams was the coach there, but as I've heard it, it wasn't stalking Roy or working as a student manager that got you into the coaching world. It was volunteering at a middle school and a chance meeting with your grandmother and a banker. Can you tell us how you yeah. got started in working in basketball coaching? Yeah, so I mean, I was obviously basketball had been a big part of my life growing up and I was actually working at the golf course at the University of Kansas and was a sports management major and in one of my classes in the in the winter time which was kind of a sports uh, focused class I said there was a brand new private school opening up that had seventh and eighth grade and it was eventually going to become a high school and they were looking for basketball coaches it was a really academic place but they wanted to have one sport a season in basketball and so you know it'd been something I'd always thought about and thought would be fun to pursue and one of my roommates had done a little bit and so I basically called and set it got an, uh, an interview set up for the both of us together kind of as a tandem and it and it worked out that the, the headmaster there liked us and how we presented and and we took over there and so my last couple of years there at the University of Kansas we did that and I had so much fun doing it we started going to high school games and raised a little money and started our own kind of AAU summer thing and traveled around the Midwest with kind of then high school sophomores and juniors that mostly ended up to be JUCOs or D2 players. But, you know, it was just kind of like all of a sudden as a college kid, as soon as I started doing that, I wasn't worried about where I was going on the weekend or what bars you might hit up. It was just like, yo, I'm going to get these kids. We got practice. We got games. And then from there, after doing that, my grandmother had a banker that the lady had done some investment banking for at the time was Pete Babcock, who back then – when she had worked for him, had worked for the Denver Nuggets. Now he was with the Atlanta Hawks. But I got lucky to have a phone call with him that led to a phone conversation with the Denver Nuggets, and which was where I had gone to high school and my family lived, and I was able to get an internship to start there back in 99. And you get your foot in the door and end up in the video room, which is a commonality you have with head coach James Borrego. What is it about the film room that helps sift out good NBA coaches? I tell most people that it's like I went to get a, a graduate degree in basketball in reality, right? Like Dan Issel was the head coach there when I started in the history. You know, people that know basketball, the history of him as a player. And John Lucas was on that staff and the history of him as a player. And then Jeff Bizdelic, who was a long, long-time coach under Pat Riley, had been through a ton. And, and the great John McLeod was one of his assistants. And so to be able to sit in that video room and you're there with the coaches as they're cutting film and they're talking, going through, hey, put that in this edit, put that in this play, and they're, they're talking the game. It was just like sitting in class every day learning. You know, we all think we know the game, and then you sit in there with the great minds that have done it their entire lives. 
and you really, really learn the ins and outs of it. And so it gives you such a good perspective on their thought processes, both with X's and O's and then psyches of players and how they deal with the psyches amongst their players and the team dynamic. We hear about people like JB who go from the film room and make it into head coach or people like yourself who, who make that jump to assistant coach. I am sure there are hundreds of film room assistants who never make it there. When was the moment that it, it caught in your mind or maybe someone told you that you had what it takes to not just be someone who got a foot in the door in the NBA but could make a living, make a career of being a coach here? Yeah, well, I think – you know, there was a lot of my first few years in Denver, um, and I was lucky to be there for 14 seasons. You know, there was a lot of change. We was up and down, and we weren't a playoff team. And, and then, you know, Carmelo Anthony got drafted. And in the middle of one of the, the second season of Carmelo, and we had added a bunch of other good players and made the, the playoffs the year before George Carl took over. And, you know, I was kind of starting to progress and do more scouting than video at that point. But then it was really you know, his influence and his mentorship is really what started it, right? And, and what he saw in my work ethic and everything that wanted to keep allowing me to, to climb the ladder under him helped me along that journey. And then it gave me a voice with the team, even in the playoffs, to prepare them for our opponents and put them into stuff. And, and those things were the huge driving force. But ultimately, when we had a season where he, he unfortunately got cancer and had to, uh, to miss this kind of a lot of our last couple months, and so while he was gone, you know, and I was starting to run the defense there, you know, we were in a huddle late game in in, in Houston it was, and I kind of knew what Houston was going to run, you know, on their last play to try to beat us. And, you know, so I was in the huddle trying to talk to Chauncey Billups and Kenyon Martin and, and Nene and these type players, you know, potential Hall of Fame type players in that group and telling them they could do this or that. We could do, you know, two or three different things. And Chauncey looked at me and said, what do you want us to do? We'll do it. You know, and that was a kind of like a moment of just, you know, like here are these great players and they just want somebody to help them. And if you can help them, they're going to listen. And, you know, that was a good moment for me. Well, next up here with Hornets assistant Chad Iskey, we're going to talk about maybe the next great player he's starting to work with. Hornets rookie LaMelo Ball. That part of our conversation is next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, during the month of April, the Charlotte Hornets and their official hunger relief partner, Food Lion Feeds, are launching the 2021 Dunk Hunger Food Drive to benefit Second Harvest Food Bank of Metrolina. The Bridges who throws it down with a right hand. For every Hornets dunk this month, slams it down with two hands. Food Lion will donate 1,000 meals. Terry Rozier throws it down over Kevin Durant. For more information on how you can help Food Lion and the Hornets Dunk Hunger, visit Hornets.com. Hornets assistant coach Chad Iskey, our special guest for this special edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Coach, I want to take you back to the draft. The Hornets selected LaMelo Ball, of course, third overall. I remember the scouting reports at the time around when he was drafted saying that LaMelo was an incredible basketball mind, off the charts court vision, a fearless player. But there were some concerns mostly focused around his shooting form and accuracy, as well as what kind of defensive player he might become. What did you see from him early on defensively since that was your specialty? What stood out to you? Well, I think any young kid coming into the NBA has a huge learning curve trying to figure out all the different defenses. And 
again, like we've talked, especially against all the super talented offensive players you face. You know, everybody coming up to this level, most of the guys you play against, you're able to make mistakes and give them a certain amount of thing and not get burned. Here, any mistake you make is likely to give up a bucket. So it wasn't surprised on there's so many things that he has to learn. But what was amazing about him, he has incredible, incredible instincts and anticipation defensively and just a nose for the ball right like just naturally at times it looks like he's all over the place but he has just a knack for finding the ball and it's part of a special gift so you know you can be upset when it doesn't work out but he makes he finds a way of making plays and coming up with stuff that most people just don't either think about or don't anticipate that's a great place to start like in my mind and he he's an intelligent kid a smart kid that wants to learn and you know that just having that and his natural knacks uh, make the future bright. Yeah, from day one, it was perfectly evident his instincts, his risk-taking ability out there to, to just make plays happen and keep possessions going, gain extra possessions through steals. He was top 10 in steals per game in his rookie season. In terms of on-the-ball defending, where do you think his ceiling is? How good can he be? Uh, you know, I think it can be as high as he wants it to be, I think, you know, and how much he focuses on it. You know, right now it's something like, again, you're just not used to the speed and the abilities of the people you're playing against, right? Like coming up to this point, he's not used to going against guys that are darn near as quick and deceptive and as fast as he is and probably older and more powerful at this point. So I think he's going to get better every year. You know, as he gets stronger and learns players more, He's going to figure out the nuances. And then just his instincts and anticipation as a basketball player are going to help him, that he can be a very good defensive player on the ball and off the ball. In your career, you've worked with Hall of Famers like Carmelo Anthony and Allen Iverson and multiple-time All-Stars like DeMarcus Cousins, Bradley Beal, John Wall, Kemba Walker. Is there a trait about them that you see in LaMelo Ball? Yeah, I think there's incredible confidence, right? Like he's just He's got a great spirit and a confidence in himself that's just true, right, and real. It's not for the crowd or for social media or any, anything else. Like, he can miss 10 straight shots, and he has no hesitation shooting the 11th because he's just he's unflappable, right? He, he knows the next one's going in. He can throw a pass away, and he knows he's going to complete the same crazy, tough pass that most people don't see. He's, he's going to throw it again the next time knowing he's going to complete it, and that you, know, you can't be great at this level at all or in this league if you don't have that belief in yourself. Chad, last one before we let you go. Greg Popovich, obviously one of the greatest ever to do it in the NBA, but oh, I know I've heard him reference in the past and others say it as well. One of the, the best breaks he ever got was basically his first or second year as a head coach. Tim Duncan falls in his lap as the lottery pick that grew with him and thrived under him and was willing to be coached by him, and they had this great run, which continues to today even after Tim is retired. Do you have any inkling that maybe LaMelo Ball is, for JB and this coaching staff, what Tim Duncan was for Greg Popovich, the lottery pick that somewhat unexpectedly falls in your lap and has a chance to grow under all of you? That That is definitely the hope, and, and, and the thing you know, we've talked about show it and you know, I can't emphasize enough that his spirit and his energy day after day after day is is a huge gift. And Duncan had his qualities which helped build that culture along with Popovich to make it what it was and for it to be able to sustain. And obviously Mello's talents are very high level and he has some gifts, but his his energy and spirit as a guy and how he makes everybody around him 
happier and better on a day-to-day basis is the thing that, that I'm extremely excited about. And that, along with the additions of adding good players around him like Gordon and the growth of Miles and, and PJ and Devontae and Terry and these guys, you know, will help him become a better player. But his spirit and coming in as a leader as just of our energy and spirit from the very beginning is is probably as big a thing as anything else. Coach Chad Iskey, thank you so much for your time, for your perspective. Best of luck the rest of the way this season. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. And thanks to all of you as well for tuning in to a special edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Tomorrow we'll be back into game preview mode and Rob Longo will be in toast. Till next time, for everyone here on the HHC, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us on the Hornets Hivecast and in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.